Welcome to Your Money Story. I'm Dawn Thomas, a mother of three, financial advisor by day, and a PhD candidate studying the experience of Generation Z with the superannuation system. This podcast provides a platform for stories that are underrepresented. Everyone's money story is unique. My guests are people who conduct their lives with purpose, authenticity, and are not afraid of being different. They stand out within their industries for being themselves. I hope their journeys inspire you to harness your own gifts and talents. I'm a believer of living your truth each day. Let's change how the story ends. We acknowledge the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation as the traditional custodians of this country and its waters and where this podcast is recorded on, stands on Noongar country. We pay our respects to Noongar elders, past and present, and acknowledge their wisdom and advice. The information discussed in this podcast does not take into account your personal and financial objectives and situation. Before acting on any information discussed here, you should consider its appropriateness, having regard to your objectives, needs, and financial situation. This episode, Karen Lander shares her perspective about relationship and business breakups. She's a leader in her industry and known as a passionate forensic accountant who's truly in her client's corner. Her role gives her access to people, typically women, who have been knee deep in the operations of a household or business who are then forced to confront and uncover their financial setup when a divorce happens. We discuss the taboo topics that professional women delicately navigate, such as the importance of financial independence, divorce, and domestic violence. As a mother, she shares some of the conversations she has had with her children to help them when they reach adulthood. Karen is an Associate Director at BDO and has been in accounting profession for almost 30 years. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Karen, I, I, what I really enjoy about you is that you have this really matter of fact and honest way of, of just kind of sharing where you've been. You've had a lot of experience about how the divorce process can impact people in different ways or, yes. or how being prepared for it differently can also produce a different outcome. Exactly right. Like you put a lot of yourself into the job. That's my perception mm-hmm. because you really are in your client's corner. What about your past has led you to this point? I have been through the journey myself and I've had to actually go through the family court system myself Um, and it did get to the point where we needed a forensic accountant involved and I ended up doing my own forensic accounting work. Um, So that's how I sort of got into forensic accounting I had been doing tax and super for 25 odd years at that stage um, and then started doing my own and realized that I actually quite enjoyed it (laughs) not my personal one but actually enjoyed the work itself Um, and so I just because I've been through the experience I know how time consuming it is how emotionally draining it is and I just you don't wish it upon anyone so that's part of the reason I do what I do so I really want to help people not have to go through that and to be able to settle as soon as they can so -hmm. that they can actually move on and not be just stuck in that you know it's not a nice system to be stuck in. Yeah so I think you're coming from that really empathetic place where you know you understand what it feels like to have things dragged out and Mm. it sounds like you just if you can avoid that for anyone that's going through the process you would like that for them 
Absolutely. Um, that's, that's what really comes across with you is um, all the learnings that you've had, you just want to impart it to others. <laughs> yes, yes. And because when you start the process, you don't have any idea Wow. as to what to expect so what processes you have to go through to be able to settle and what comes next and what happens if you go this way and what happens if you go that way mm. and and I think that's a lot of it um a lot of I mean I know when I started going through it I had no idea either so it's just from exactly what you said what I've learned through the process and how I can help others so that it's a bit easier for them hopefully so the stats around divorce right stands around 50 percent of people who get married get divorced and I was talking to another guest he was saying that it's just funny that we we shy away from this topic before it happens Mm. and then when people go through it they go through quite a bit of strife because it's all new information coming at them Karen what why do you think culturally we're not having the discussion way up front it's kind Mm. of whacking everyone as a surprise when it happens I think I think it's because everybody part of them wants to believe it's never going to happen to them but Mm. also um, if asking questions of your partner it's like you don't trust them so a lot of people don't ask questions because they don't want them to cause conflict because of trust issues etc and it's not really it's not that it's just being open and honest and you know knowing where you stand with everything but I do think part of it is because people just don't want to think it can ever happen to them so then when it does you're just not prepared for it yeah so there's a bit of denial in there Uh and and one of the other themes we had talked about previously when we've caught up is this thing about trust and Uh and how trust doesn't replace knowledge and when somehow that you know when you've based it on trust and going no I trust everything will be okay and it doesn't Mm. that's where it can go wrong um you know can you can you tell us about I mean your experience again where someone's just relied on trust and not knowing yes where does that go wrong yeah so I I I have had a lot of clients with that where Mm. they do and it does happen a lot one partner is usually at home looking after children I know it sounds stereotypical but that's that is what happens a lot of the time and the other partner actually takes over the finances and and just takes care of that and sometimes the you know one partner doesn't know the financial side and just trust that everything is being done how it should be which mm. yes in a perfect world <laughs> yeah. it should be like that but it it's not and then so when things happen and go wrong they're left not even knowing about their finances. I've had clients who don't even know they'll come to me and say look I own half this business and then mm. you know I'll do a search and I'll mm, no you don't actually own half that business um yeah. or they think that all their directors of companies and they've just been signing things but not being given copies so yeah. one of my biggest things I always say to people is just make sure you get copies of your financials your bank statements be able to have access to your information because that's a biggest thing we find when there's a separation and there's problems and you're trying to get information from the other side really you should have a copy yourself so that you don't have to be asking the other party for it all the time so it sounds like you know having a copy is good to keep for your records when things goes wrong but if we Mm -hmm. take it back a step Mm -hmm. I I suppose some people kind of go well that person's better at finances they're the business person I've got this other role so we've got our Mm -hmm. roles line what's the minimum 
someone should know about their financial position from your perspective? From my perspective, their financial position really, uh, and it comes down to the absolute basics, being able to log into your own bank accounts. Because I've had clients who did not have passwords, et cetera, to be able to do that. So totally basic should be you know what bank accounts you have, you know how much money is in those bank accounts, um, and then it, and then even more complicated is when there's diff- different entities involved. You sh- you really should just it, even if you don't know all the internal goings on, you should know the entities that are involved with your you know your family structure basically. You know, do you own a company? Do you have a family trust? That mm. type of thing. So they they really should know the basics so that they can ask questions because sometimes you can't ask questions. If you don't know there's a family trust, you're not going to be asking for the financials. But you're saying as well, forensic accountants also help partners of businesses because it's very much like a relationship. It's like a marriage. Long term needs a lot of trust. It's very Um, similar. It's very similar similar because some a lot of people in business they have one person who's really good at the financial side of things, and the other person involved is really good at the operational side of the business. And so a lot of the time, the person who's knee deep in the operations and doing everything there doesn't know much about sometimes the financial side of it so Mm. it's it's very very similar and it and it's just knowing exactly again bank accounts logins uh, probably with business a bit more you should have copies of your financials and know where your company's at Mm. you don't want to be getting to the stage where you have issues and then um, a lot of the time the ones that I come across is uh, one person who's been in charge of the finance has usually siphoned some money off and it's gone to, you know, personal bank accounts or elsewhere. And the person who's in operations and running the company really has no idea until it's too late. And sometimes you can recover that money, but a lot of the times you can't. So just even keeping their eye on the finances, even if they don't quite understand the intricacies, just yes. knowing where some of the money goes. As part of a regular health check for maybe a couple or partners for business where they get someone external in, is there a process like that that exists? There is for larger companies. They do have that mm. and they have to have an order each year. But um, usually the smaller companies and usually you know, families, they don't like to do that because, again, it's the whole trust issue. Trust. I feel like we don't trust you, so we're having a look at that and then it causes problems. Um, Even, you know, we even get it with um, things that we try to get people to do is like proactively checking their fraud risk framework in business and checking that they've got all the controls in place. A lot of people don't like that doing that Um, and we end up coming at the end and then we end up telling them all the controls that weren't in place to effectively help their business. So we're usually called in at the other side of it whereas sometimes if you just check you have everything in place at the beginning, it will save a lot of drama, a lot of money, a lot of time at the end yeah. when things have gone wrong. So, yeah, to answer your question, you can you can get audited, you can have people look over it, but a lot of the time it's only the larger companies that actually do that. There needs to be like a cultural change of this conversation about trust, right? And mm. everywhere, um, there's a lot of common themes that come through with the guests and we're, and we're 
talking about, you know, whether you're a commercial lawyer, family lawyer, financial advisor, um, we're talking about these conversations that should be happening at home first. Yeah. You know, so if you think about all the learnings that you have in your role, um, how does that translate to the conversations you're having at home with your children to prepare them for that journey to adulthood? Yeah, I, I'm very open with my children and uh, I always bring back what I learned from work. So, and it sounds silly, but even the silly things like your cybersecurity and the things yeah. that can be, you know, the text messages you get for a parcel being delivered and click on this yes. link. Just yeah. little things like that, trying to educate them from the very ground up so they understand. And it sounds awful. Don't trust everyone. <laughs> yes. So yep. that they do have that inquiring mind and they do want to know where things are and, and what things are correct and what things are a bit suspicious, mm. just so yep. that they know that. Um, I'm always explaining they need to know exactly what's in their bank account, where the money goes. Don't just think, you know, don't just assume that you put money in the bank and it's all just sitting there nicely. Check mm-hmm. your bank accounts regularly. And I know my yes. children are young and they just earn some money and have don't have a lot of money in the bank, but just look at your bank account regularly and see what's coming in and going out, what you've spent. Make sure that what you spent is actually what came out of your bank account. Mm. Just but little things good, like that. Good, yeah, but it's good tips, I think, in terms of, like being aware of the position that you're in, have you had conversations with them about how they should be approaching relationships down the track? Yeah, probably not at this stage. Um, They've probably learned a lot from from our personal (laughs) journey. (laughs) So they're probably not going to trust anyone. (laughs) Hopefully they will though. Um, I think they, they just know that, I've always said to them as well, um, I've got, because I've got two girls and I've got a boy, I've always yeah. said to the girls to make sure that you have something that it doesn't, doesn't have to be a high paying job, but it, it, you need to have some sort of occupation where you can support yourself if you need to, uh, if things go wrong later on, um, just so that they're aware you need to be self-sufficient. And anything on top of that, if you do end up getting married and you're lucky enough to have enough money and stay at home and look after the children, that's fine. But make sure you've always got something to fall back on. It's very similar to like, um, and I've seen it quite often in our in different parts of my work, is when professional athletes, after they've finished sport, you always say to them while they're doing it, make sure you've got something to fall back on afterwards because you don't actually know how long your professional life is going to, you know, professional sports career is going to last. You could get injured tomorrow Mm. um, and then you need something to back it up. So I do do talk to my kids about that and just always having that um, education that you can support yourself if need be. Yeah, and I think you are having those conversations. That's a really important conversation to have. Uh, I remember, like, I wouldn't consider my parents very money savvy, but what they... Mm. Um, my mom sort of told me is that you need to earn your own money. Like she, yeah. she kind of went, you need to earn your own money because then no one can tell you what to do. But I think That's that was right. very much, yeah, it was a reflection yeah. of probably the the time that she grew up in in the cultural background mm. where you're literally passed from like your father to a husband and she hated yeah. that. I think she's yeah. like, no, I want my own dependence. That's but if right. I earn my own money, 
nobody can essentially tell me what to do. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I do have a lot of my friends even who have stayed at home to look after the kids and their yeah. and their husbands have been the main main money earner. A lot of them have then gone out and got little part-time jobs because it makes them feel better yes. about being able to spend some more money because they do have that independence as well. They're not relying solely on one person. It seems like this fallacy of of trust, right? Like people oh. end up not trusting is because their trust has been betrayed. So there's a funny thing. It's like we put so much emphasis on trust till oh. something happens that that takes that away. Yeah. And and I don't know why um, there's not more conversations that happen with young people knowing the rate of divorce that we have because yeah. divorce statistically affects women more than it does men because um, right. yeah. they say that women tend to not repartner because they've got the kids with them typically mm. and then by the time mm-hmm. they're older, they, they don't repartner. Typically men do repartner. Divorce is one of those things that impacts um, women quite substantially and time off work. That's what we see as financial yeah. advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, now, your job as a forensic accountant is that investigative piece to ensure that your clients end up with a fair outcome. Yes, um, that's right. So two parts to this question. Mm-hmm. How do you Sherlock Holmes your way through your job? <laughs> but how have you seen, like when your job is done, how have you seen if it's if it's someone that's come to, how have you seen them rebuild after that Afterwards. point? So mm. the first part, uh, with the Sherlock Holmes part, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's very, you know, sometimes it's easy, just it's basic company searches, et cetera, that just unleash a whole array of entities that no one knew, you know, their partner was involved in or something like that. Uh, it's always going through also the lawyer's disclosure documents. They always provide mm-hmm. those to us. A lot of the times what we find is one party is not willing to provide disclosure. So sometimes they have to go to court and subpoena additional information so that you can get a true and correct fair view of all of the assets in the asset pool. That's the biggest thing is that trying to find exactly what assets are there and confirm that they're the correct value so that then both parties can negotiate a settlement. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the time we do have people trying to hide different assets or shares in different companies. So, yeah, I have had and one that comes to mind is just, you know, I had one client who thought they had a few little companies on this side and then once we started looking into it, we unleashed about, oh, gosh, I don't even know, 15 to 20 other companies that they weren't aware that they had interest in or that their partner had interest in. And what that means is, you know, in that instance, I actually don't think there was a lot of money being made Mm. in those other companies, but it does help them have a footing to settle on. And then if the other partner doesn't want you to go into all those finances, they tend to settle a lot quicker. And it just means then that they can get a fairer settlement and then they can move on with their life. And a lot of the times what I come across is the maybe the you know, the partner that's living at home with the kids wants to keep the house. Mm-hmm. A lot of yep. the time that's what it is and they don't want to disrupt the children. A lot of the times with some of the things we've found and the information you get, you've, you actually can 
they can tell then and their lawyers can tell whether they can actually afford to keep that house. Yes. And then so a lot of the times they have been able to and that's that's the main thing they wanted from the settlement and they've been able to do that and then they've been able to rebuild from there. So yeah. it just really depends on what's really important and sometimes they can't. If there's, you know, there's nothing you can do if there's not enough money in that asset pool. Yes. Sometimes you just can't keep the family house even yes. if you want to. Um, and so then they do have to come to terms with that too. But a lot of the times, and I've also had, you know, it's not just small companies, etc. We've had really large asset pool type $100 million worth and it, and they haven't known exactly what was in that asset pool. So we've mm. gone through, you know, everything that, we do on our side and and it was just confirming what that was in the asset pool so sometimes it's not even it's not trying to find dodgy transactions sometimes it's yeah. just trying to help them determine what's in their asset pool so then they can have a fair settlement and move on um, obviously sometimes we do come across dodgy mm. <laughs> and that's that's when you're looking at the finances you can usually tell when they started thinking about separation yeah yeah <laughs> that, see, that's when the money starts going oh it'll just go here <laughs> yeah where it's quite similar for those specialists that are helping people through um disputes right the breakdown of a relationship mm-hmm. breakdown of a, a business partnership um is that you're dealing with people who are quite emotional but your role oh, requires yeah. you to keep them rational and, and trying to keep them moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how do you find that balance for yourself, Karen? That, that, I mean, you are, you're, you're approaching it methodically, but yeah. you might have a client that's just, you know, fa- for fair enough reasons, they're just not, mm. they're not emotionally they're not there. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. I, usually, that, that is usually the first meeting that I have with them is usually the emotions are there and, and they're very upset about certain things. Uh, just coming to mind one is sometimes the Tiffany jewellery that's bought for the new girlfriend. <laughs> and so, and sometimes, you know, it is upsetting to them and they've, you know, had this whole fantasy of how their life is going to play out and that's not what's happened. So sometimes you just have to go through all that with them, find out what is actually upsetting them. Um, and I and I totally get it. I understand all the emotions that come with it. So sometimes mm. you don't get to the real nitty-gritty until sort of your second, third meeting as to what you need to look for. And I do try to pull them back on track and just say, look, this is where we need to be and this is yeah. how it's going to help you um, yeah. and this is what we need to do. And then usually they can – they they know and – but they usually need that first couple of times. It's, it is emotional. And do you know what? I can categorise when we go through everything and we show the money spent, we can absolutely do a category for all the new jewellery that's been purchased <laughs> and then they can settle on that as well. So uh, uh, you've spent that too, so I get that as well. Um, so you can you can approach it from all different angles, but we I do understand it when they first come in. It's really it's upsetting. So you're giving them that space to get their emotions. I mean, you're not telling them you can't have emotions. No. You're just trying to guide them through the process and, and what to expect. And I yeah. suppose you're focusing on the outcome 
Yes. For them to rebuild, right? You're just trying to get them to look forward to that point because that's all yeah. they can do. <laughs> yeah. At that point. Exactly. Um, and how best yeah. to get there. And how in best the, to get there. In the least expensive way possible. You talked about different angles. Um, and what you've told me before is that sometimes you play the part of not knowing a lot when you step into the meetings because you said it, it, <laughs> it's your strength if they underestimate you. Um, can you. Can you just tell us more about that? That's really fasc- I mean, yeah. fascinating because you, you have to use all your tools at your that's disposal. Right. <laughs> well, that, that's not usually the family law space, but usually other, other forensic work. You can go mm. in and you ask a lot of questions and sometimes they do look at you like, oh, she's not very clever. So you just keep asking questions and they do give you quite a bit of information and then you come down back to the office and then you just list all your questions out and shoot it out to them and then they're like, oh, I don't want to give you that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so like, you, well, I know. <laughs> well, it catches them off guard a it little does. bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. And and they don't usually want to give you information in our, yeah. you know, in what we do. A lot of the time people don't want to see us. Yes. <laughs> so we yes. don't get the most welcome, you know, mm. we don't get a welcome party when we go into a meeting sometimes. Um, yes. And you just have to really, again, ignore their emotions if they're not liking us or not wanting us to be there and just get mm. back to the facts and say this is what we need to see for us to do yeah. our work. And that's right. So you're being called in really in a scenario where it's not amicable. It's really mm-hmm. complex scenarios where yeah. you need to step in for your client mm-hmm. and be able to put forward what your your findings are for a fair settlement, right? That's right. You mentioned the family lawyers as well. Um, how does your job tie in with where the family lawyers sit? Okay. So usually what we have been contacted just by ourselves sometimes but usually what happens and uh, we get instructed by the family lawyers Mm. so someone will their lawyer will actually suggest to them look you need some forensic accounting work to be done uh, when they can't untangle everything or are not sure about things they usually come to us and then what we usually do with them is because it's, it, it is very emotionally charged and there's a lot of there's money involved and people don't want to spend money trying to get their settlement, etc. in place. So what we usually do is we just sit them down and we go through everything with them and we say, look, we can we sometimes do a phased fee approach for them. So then we'll look at all their information and then we'll say, look, this is what you should be concentrating on or this is what sort of showing a few red flags, have a look at that. If you want us to, we can do that. If not, you know, and so we take our instructions really not just by the lawyers but also by the clients themselves as to what they want done or how far they want us to take it because sometimes it's not worth, you know, mm. you, you want value for money for what you're doing and if what you want us to do is really not going to help you in the long run, then mm. then we won't, we'll advise not to do it because sometimes people, like you said, they get a bit emotional and they want you yeah. to check every single cent that's been spent. It's just not yeah. worth it sometimes unless, unless there's a reason. Um, but otherwise, you don't. So we just work with the lawyers and... And then we give our findings back to them and then that helps them 
yeah. be able to settle for their client in mediation or if they're going to court, it gives them a basis for their cross-examination. Karen, in, in your in your sphere, in your working sphere, would you say it's still a fairly male-dominated environment or is it fairly spread out? There's actually not that many <laughs> forensic <laughs> forensic roles around, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it still is, and I know I do know that um, in the family law space, they were actually saying to me that it is better when mm. a female is involved because sometimes. If it is a female who needs the yes. assistance, they, like they said to me, they don't like two big burly men coming in going, and, and yes. you know, they feel more comfortable being able to tell their story as yes. well. Um, so that's sort of proper. And I just think because I've been through it, that that's yeah. the main reason really um, mm. that it also helps. But, yeah, it probably is. I mean, I've got... I've got some, we've got a very mixed team. Yes. So we've got females and males. But, um, and the family law is actually really uh, a lot more females now mm-hmm. than male lawyers because I think predominantly before everyone just associates it with, oh, the male lawyer, family lawyer going in yeah. to court and rah, 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 rah. But it's actually, it's really not. It, it, there's, I think there would be mostly female to tell you the truth. It seems from what you've told me that it would be very well suited to people that have that kind of empathetic, you know, nurturing kind of style uh-huh. because it, it's very difficult situations when people find you. Um, but, I mean, you were saying to me previously as well that you you tend to see, like, more women coming to see you as the partners that are coming yeah. to get the forensic work done. You might be the only person they have in their corner at that time because all the shared yeah. specialists, specialists tend to break up as well with you when you're going through a breakup it's like they have yes, to choose and that's they exactly right yeah exactly right and they usually go with the main income yeah. earner because they know that they're going to get continued work afterwards after everything's yes. settled and done they know they're probably still going to get the accounting fees etc from mm. the the partner who's got the business uh I do have a lot of the females and I, and and a lot of the time I think that is just it's just a fact of um the females staying at home sometimes and being stay-at-home mums so they don't have that knowledge as to what's in their exactly Mm. in their finances and I think I really think that's what it comes down to when talking to other financial advisors about you know what we could do differently in our process even our process is quite uh gender biased when we are Mm. doing reviews because we quite often treat them as a family unit Yes. Instead yep. of going, what could happen if they break up down the track? How is it going oh. to impact both of them? Both of because them, the, yeah. yeah, because the strategies can be about tax minimization, for example. Yeah. And then you go, oh, it's better to put more money into the high income earners superannuation because it makes sense tax wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kind of neglect uh, the other party because there may not be a tax, because you're looking just at numbers, you know, we yes. go from a rational yeah. sense of right now. These are the numbers that work. This will help. Look at the unit. This will help yeah, because yeah. you guys are together, so we're looking at the family unit. Um, and then even as a financial advisor, like I, I still find it awkward to go. Like I can't pull away the 
the one who's maybe not in paid employment and go, oh, you should really work out for your... You know, I, like, yeah. I don't know if I'm stepping over a boundary. Uh, yes, I know what yeah. you mean. I, it's a bit like, so from everything I see, you always think, I always think to myself, oh my goodness, you should just have a bank account that you have access to. So you might have a joint bank account, but have some money sitting in another bank just in case, but you can't say yes. that. You can't yes. say that to people. It's like, because That's they right. don't want to think about it. They don't want to think, well, that could happen to me and I could be stuck with no money. And if Correct. they Correct. don't put any money in that joint bank account, I have nothing to access. But you, yes. they don't want to think about that. So you can't really say it to them because then they're like, what are you saying? Something's wrong with my marriage? Correct. Like, no, no, Correct. No, I'm not. I'm just No, that's just right. Saying. <laughs> no, you're right. Careful. It's about these boundaries, right, that I feel that are in place that um, I've been reflecting a lot, right, especially after Grace Dame and uh, Brittany Higgins had their speech. I think it's very, oh. it makes you kind of reflect a lot on how, how I do my role around with women, you know, my journey as a woman. Um, and I go, like, there's so many things where we go, oh, no, no, we can't talk about it because it could be awkward. Oh. And I think that's why things like domestic violence, oh. you know, there are people around, people going through that who un- who know that's happening in the relationship and they don't step in because oh. it's like a, oh, it's a personal issue yes it's a, it's a family no. issue yeah yeah we don't, don't want to overstep don't want to don't want to intrude that's mm. right and and I, I don't have an answer for it Karen but I just, no. I, just I, I feel like should we experiment trying to overstep this year <laughs> <laughs> I don't know <laughs> might not go well, well. We, I was gonna say we might get into all sorts of trouble <laughs> I, know, I, know. I just think in that circumstance the only thing that you can do is really be there for the person who's going through that and let them know that you're there to support them because they will eventually reach out for that support but it but it may take a little while I Mm. think I really think that's the only thing you can do because um, people don't like to get involved it's funny because then once the separation happens then everyone gets involved (laughs) (laughs) their opinion and it's like really I don't yeah. remember you being there before. <laughs> but so, yeah, I just think in that circumstance, you can probably only just support and hopefully they come to you. But it, it is a very taboo subject, even, even yes. though everyone thinks it's not. It really is because yes. my kids, you know, are, were in a, a private school in the western suburbs and as soon as the actual topic of domestic violence even gets muttered, it would yes. it shocked me how many people yes. just flee they don't want to know yes. you they don't want to talk to you they want yes. nothing to do with you um at, but then you've got those other friends who are such good friends and they stick by you and they support yes. you 100% through the process so it really I think it's probably the same with everything isn't it it shows you who mm. your true friends are really I find there's a lot of uncomfortable topics for people but I feel like we need to be having them at least in our own household Mm. with our children again like we talked about the reflections of the the speech uh, speeches that they had the press club recently and my husband actually watched it first and then he said oh no you've got to watch it um and I think it was on his mind so much that he Mm. he just suddenly had an impromptu conversation in the car about um sexual abuse for children so I was like mm. looking at him going he hasn't approved the conversation that we're having right now he just went like he was spontaneous he just went for it right into and this it was really, <laughs> right into it this was really close to them going to sleep at night as well you know so we had one child ask, the youngest one asking questions out of context the other two being really quiet and then they said the other two were like like no they said papa you're, you're like 
scaring us. We don't want to talk about it just before mm. they're about to go to sleep. <laughs> and I just went, I, I suppose that's that conversation out. You know? Yeah, yeah. We've <laughs> take. <laughs> we've take. We've had some some sort I of conversation. See, if they know you're open to talking about it, though, they're more yeah. likely to come and talk to you about it because I think. Um, even with kids, I think they just think if you're not willing to talk, they're never going to come to you yes. and tell you. So I just think even even discussing it is a great yes. thing because then they at least know if something was ever to happen, they know yes. that they can come to you. Do you yes. know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? You don't want to scare them. <laughs> yes. I, listen, so he, he, he went on the fly. He went rogue. He just... <laughs> But he had it. So now the conversations been um yeah, he didn't mince his words at all. Sometimes even as parents we go like when do we have it? How do we have it? And, yeah. and it becomes harder. But you're right about um, you know, a lot of times vulnerable children are also uh targeted, you know, if they don't have that communication line with their family, yeah. it, it kind of goes it could go on longer because yeah. they, they don't know who they can turn to, they don't know that it's it's wrong because they're groomed. Um yeah, that's and, right. You're right. We just have to be open. And what I think is great about what you do is genuinely, even though we've thrown the word trust around, you know, mm. you're, you're seeing people when probably their trust has been destroyed and they really yeah. need someone to yeah. trust, you yeah. know. And, yeah. and I think with you, it's not trust that's misplaced. It's, it's, it's really where the trust deserves to be. I do yeah. get concerned when they go yeah. through that process. Oh, it's, it's so difficult. And, and some, you know, I have had, People say that where some professionals are just trying to delay things because then there's more fees, etc. And that's not mm. what you want. It's not what you yeah. want. Um, yeah. And you really just want people to be able to settle as quickly mm. as possible yes. um, so that they can move on because it's, it's so difficult to move on while you're going through that. I know even uh, through my process of having to go through family court trying to work during that time to support my children was so difficult so you you yes. just want it to be finished and settled and dealt with as soon as you can so you can actually move on it just means yeah. you can go on with everyday life you can actually yes. you know support your kids you can keep working everything mm. you need to do in the future and that's what you want to get to as quickly as you can um if you could give some tips to women that are potentially going through that process of divorce or they know they could be heading that way, mm. um, what are the key things they can prepare themselves for, look out for, you know, um, just be aware of? Just to be aware of, again, it, it's the very basic things, just absolutely knowing what bank accounts you have, having access to those bank accounts, even having copies of bank statements somewhere um, and financials, etc., to do with businesses. Sometimes that might be a bit harder to get your hands on if you haven't had that in the past, but just getting as much financial information as possible for yourself so that if there are and, you know, look, some marriages break down and, and the separation, et cetera, is very amicable. And that's absolutely mm. what everyone should be aiming for. But unfortunately, yes. it's just not how it goes a lot of the time. So just having that information and education as to where your finances are, being able to access them so that then you can actually let your lawyers or whoever you need to know um, mm. so that you can actually 
get through to a settlement and know exactly where you stand and not having to keep asking the other party for information all the time. So it, it really comes down to just having a knowledge of your own finances. Obviously, if you're going through a domestic violence situation, it, it's also if you're able to, to try and get a little bit of money put aside for yourself so that when you do separate, you have got some access to some money because I know that is a, it's a huge concern for a lot of women and going through Centrelink, et cetera, it does take time. So, and sometimes you don't have time. You need food right. that week. You can't wait. Yes. <laughs> so, if that's a possibility when you're going through that situation to do that for yourself as well but it really does come down to the education of your own finances so that so that you don't have any issues mm. later on and that's also like in all the entities that they are part of so if somehow you've been your you've become a trustee uh, director any of those things yeah just so it. absolutely just so you know uh, i've had so many people come up and they are directors of companies and they've just signed things because they're told to sign it, they just sign it. But a lot of the times things haven't been signed, but things have yes. been done. And so, you know, just having a record, if possible, of what you've yes. signed, uh, it makes a big difference. Thank you so much, Karen. You've been, I, I just really enjoy every single conversation I have with you. I enjoy so much. Um, oh, thank you. You're, you're doing such great work for... I mean, I know you don't only help women, but particularly women oh. going through that uh, because it is that really rebuilding phase that they're in. Again, it's about you and that passion of being in someone's corner that is, uh, you know, it's very energising. <laughs> Thank you. Subscribe now to be notified of new episodes. Let's change how the story ends. The information discussed during this episode includes strategies that are general in nature. As everyone's situation is different and the information discussed does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs, you should always seek personal advice with regard to your own personal circumstances.